It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Coming up on this edition of Locked On Wizards, we've got Shane Connick, journalist from University of Maryland and Wizards Extra, social media manager and writer, host of The Shane Show, joining us to discuss the NBA playoffs and our take on the NBA restart specifically around the Wizards. So we discuss players to watch, teams to watch, and any surprises right here on Locked On Wizards. Hi, and welcome to another edition of Locked on Wizards. I'm your host, Renee Washington, and today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Well, joining me this episode of Locked on Wizards, we've got journalist student from University of Maryland, social media manager and writer with Wizards Extra, and host of The Shane Show. It is Shane Connick. Shane, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Renee. Looking forward to this. I am happy to have you here and excited to break down what's been going on around the NBA specifically. Let's get started in the playoffs. You know, we'll talk about the Wizards later on in the show, but looking at the playoffs and what we've been seeing so far, a couple of sweeps, some first rounds are done for teams, and some battles to the finish like the Clippers, Mavs, Denver, Utah. Any series off the bat that have surprised you in any way, Shane, and how they have finished or are not finished yet, I should say, for some. Well, I would say, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is here being a uh, New Jersey native and here in New Jersey is the former New Jersey team, the Brooklyn Nets, taking on the Toronto Raptors in their first playoff series. Now, the Nets have a very depleted roster as they enter the playoffs as they're missing players like, um, obviously, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, who have Mm -hmm. been out for the majority of the season, Durant the entire season, missing players like Spencer Dinwiddie, DeAndre Jordan, Torian Prince. And the Nets go in there into the seeding games, knock off the Milwaukee Bucks, the L.A. Clippers. Then the playoffs come, and the Nets get blanked by the Toronto Raptors in four mm. games. I think that helps to show you just the uncertainty of the whole thing with the bubble and how you never know about any of these teams. You know, we're seeing surprises everywhere in the seeding games, and now as the playoffs start to get going, I think this is a truly unpredictable season in so many ways. So I think anything that happens, it's almost like you can question – why that's happening or how it's like just because it's everything about it's just so much different yeah I think that one of the biggest things that I've seen is you know the in terms of the uncertainty is that there's so many things that each team is focused on you know when you look at the seeding game specifically just looking at those you had teams like the Lakers the Bucks the Clippers who knew okay I not only am locked into a playoff spot but I've definitely locked in of course for the Lakers and Bucks a number one spot and when you clinch that number one seed, your focus is different in terms of what you're playing for. Now it's a matter of getting some younger, some other players, role players, reserves, minutes, and seeing what they can do. And as we saw with the Lakers and the Bucks, they both dropped their first game of their series. You know, it now takes them one game in the playoffs to really get their top players like LeBron and AD or Giannis for the Bucks going. And then other teams like the Wizards, the Suns, the of course, all there have, were plenty of teams in the West, the Pelicans, the Kings, Suns, Spurs, Blazers that are all fighting for a playoff spot to begin with. 
the Wizards, Magic, Nets fighting for a playoff spot. So they're, they're in with a completely different focus, you know? So I think that's one of the greatest things, but also something that took away from the seeding games in a sense, because not everybody had to win. And, you know, I, I hate to say it, but teams like the Bucks and the Lakers, yeah, you lose a game and you don't want to lose, but it's games that you can afford to lose when you already clinched that number one spot versus other teams that are there trying, fighting and clawing to extend their season. So I think now in the playoffs, I think that's something that has some people, in my opinion, a little fooled because they were quick to say something like, oh, the Blazers are now going to upset the Lakers. No, absolutely not. LeBron is still the best player in the game. The Lakers are still one of the best teams in the league. And just because they struggled offensively in the seeding games, you have to look at who was on the floor in the minutes. This is a whole different team. Shane, you and I know playoff mentality is a whole different mentality versus regular season games, especially seeding games once you've already clinched. So I think now we're seeing that separation of teams that maybe some either put them too high up on a pedestal or kind of underestimated them because of the seeding games. When at the end of the day, everybody was playing for something different. Is there a series that you've enjoyed watching the most so far? That's a tough one. You know, a lot of times you have those thrilling, you know, seven game, six game mm-hmm. type series. It's mm-hmm. like right now it's almost kind of weird. It's almost like you don't know what's going to happen. Like, for example, today seems like a closeout game for Utah. And then obviously, you know, weren't able to do that. So I think right. it's interesting because a lot of times it's like you don't, there's so much unpredictability, especially in a season like this one, where at the end of the day, you know, it's the playoffs and all that, but it's also August. They're also playing in a gym in Orlando with screens mm-hmm. going around it with fans calling in through Microsoft Teams on the screens and they're calling it the playoffs. You know, <laughs> everything about it's just different. I mean, that alone, plus you think about how a lot of these players haven't played in um, as long of a time. So, but going back to the actual question about, um, you know, which series is almost most entertaining at this point, I feel like there are just so many entertaining aspects of individual series um, thus far. But I think overall, mm-hmm. it's been a pretty, pretty, you know, definitely unique playoffs, been a very interesting uh, playoffs thus far, and just one like no other that we have and hopefully ever will see. Yeah, yeah, that is a great point that you bring up, just how different it is, the environment. And that no one has home court advantage. I know that's something that keeps getting brought up. Some teams really thrive on that. And you see them, they tend to do better at home. A team like the Sixers, for instance. You look at their, their road games versus their home games. I mean, they are significantly below 500 and way above five, that 500 mark when it comes to home versus away. So some teams really do play much better at home. And when you level the playing field in that sense, there's no travel, there's no fans. It's now just about what you're doing on the floor. You don't really have a crowd to get you going. It definitely does change a lot of things. So looking specifically at some of the series, I know, you know, it was really no surprise for me in terms of a sweep for the Raptors. I I expected that the Raptors would handle the Nets the way they have. They're as defending champs showing that they are still one of the top teams in the league, although many were quick to write them off without Kawhi Leonard on the team anymore. That's another another point about the Raptors, though. Mm-hmm. Sorry, sorry to interrupt, but that's, no, another, go ahead. that's another point about the Raptors, though, that, you know, yes, they did lose Kawhi Leonard. They are, though, the defending NBA champions. And, you know, one player in any sport is not going to single-handedly win you a championship. Right. It's, regardless, it's always a team where you look at how well Freddie Van Vliet was playing. You look at how mm-hmm. well certain players on Toronto played last year and even this year. Yes, the Raptors are not nearly the same team they were last year. I don't expect the Raptors to repeat. I didn't expect to repeat before the season started. I expected them to be significantly worse than they were, but you can't count a team like that out just because they lose, at the end of the day, one player. Because 
in basketball, yes, basketball, one player can have a significant impact on a team. But you look at the Lakers last year, a season ago, they had LeBron James, the best player in basketball. And you know what happened? The Lakers, they missed the playoffs. Because, you know, at the end of the day, LeBron went to a new team and wasn't just going to automatically become great. And then, you know, you throw Anthony Davis on that team also now, and you throw in, you know, now the Lakers have gotten great again. And it, and it makes sense. But, you know, mm-hmm. one, one player won't always – point is one player – Yes, we'll change, can change the dynamic of a team in many ways, but I don't think that, you know, the team like Toronto, for example, I think that, yes, they lost Kawhi Leonard, and that was a, a huge loss for them. And I think it's also interesting to see Kawhi bouncing around all of a sudden. You know, when he was on San Antonio, it seemed like he'd be there. Like, so, you know, he's on Toronto, wins the championship. It seems like that's his new place, and then all of a sudden he's already off to Los Angeles. So um, yep. I think the whole thing's interesting, and that's another thing about in, in all sports now with how – often players are bouncing around like that but anyway about um but yeah about the Raptors I think that they are a definitely still you know they're still a great team at the end of the day you know maybe they won't be the best team in the east best team in the NBA again but they can still win games and a team like that can still be be trouble yeah exactly and that's something that is just a testament of course to the league itself being that is it is a league where to be a top team you need to have two all-stars and a strong supporting cast of role players and reserves. You know, it's not enough. You cannot just have one player carry you. And it is a changing league also in that, you, as you talk about the movement, you know, there's, there's, first of all, there's constantly rumors around trades and, and free agency and things that are going to happen. But that's part of the movement that you see. Players are now really taking that charge to go find the team that will help them win a championship. I mean, the news just broke earlier this week. We're having this conversation on Tuesday. The news just broke around Messi deciding that he no longer wants to play in Barcelona after playing there for nearly two decades. Like across sports, not even just, you know, specifically basketball, across sports, players are really taking more control of their careers in that sense of wanting to be on a team where they have a chance of winning a championship. And so there's no surprise that, you know, we are seeing so much movement, but the incredible thing is you now have so many teams in the NBA specifically that really have a chance of, of making a deep run in the postseason and competing for a championship. I mean, you look at the East, the Sixers were a disappointment, and I'll ask you your thoughts on the Sixers in a moment, but, you know, the Raptors, the Celtics, the Heat, who I definitely have been saying is a team that at the number four seed, don't underestimate the Heat. Bam Adebayo, um, uh, Gordon Drogic, Jimmy Butler, you know, this team has shooters with Tyler Hero. They've got depth. They've got a championship coach in Eric Spolstra. They are no, by no means a team that you should be overlooking. So there are four teams, in my opinion, in the East that can be coming out of the Eastern Conference. And then on the West, of course, as we're still seeing, as you mentioned, you know, the Nuggets Jazz Series has turned out to be one that could absolutely go to seven. As you know, right now it is a 3-2 series, but Utah up as of Tuesday. And then also looking at Dallas and the Clippers. Who would have thought that the Clippers would be looking so exposed and that the Mavericks could honestly be up going into their Wednesday game instead of being having the series tied at two, you know? And, um, you know, we'll see what happens in that game as well. But in terms of these series, you just see how close it is. The 1-8 seed is not as big of a gap or the two to seven every team right now is is fighting and so specifically looking at the Sixers I know you're a Jersey native the news broke around Brett Brown being fired after the Sixers were swept by Boston so I'm definitely interested to know your thoughts on the Sixers 
So coming up, it's time to talk Sixers. After getting swept 4-0, let's recap what happened, especially around the news around the firing of Brett Brown. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Shane Connick, social media manager and writer with Wizards Extra, journalist from the University of Maryland and host of The Shane Show here on Locked on Wizards with me. Now, Shane, we were talking about the NBA playoffs, and I have to get your take on the Sixers specifically. News broke that head coach Brett Brown has been fired after the Sixers were swept in the first round of the playoffs. 4-0, sweep, four and done, one series and done, I should say, against the Boston Celtics. Yikes. So Shane, taking a look at them having a 4-0 sweep, one and done, out the first round, after already a disappointing postseason, or season, I should say, to put them at the number six seed, what are your overall thoughts on the Sixers having been swept and knocked out in the first round by the Celtics, and definitely the news around Brett Brown being fired? You know, I think that the 76ers are a very talented team. I think that regardless of how they perform this year, you look at the players they have. When you have players like Embiid right there in the middle, you have a team like that. It's, they have a ton of talent, but the problem is with um, a team like Philadelphia that, you know, you see the way they end up performing this year. And, you know, it's always a testament to how the head coach is doing, even if maybe everything's not the head coach's fault. You know, I think it's surprising mm-hmm. that a team like the Sixers, who have won playoff games, won playoff series over the years – been a you know great team consistently in the NBA and a top team you know but they haven't really won anything you know you look at for example kind of like the Clippers years ago when they had that nucleus of Chris Paul and Blake Griffin DeAndre Jordan and they just never won anything you look at a team like the 76ers and they have the talent they have the names but the Sixers have not come close to really doing anything in all these years you know like they they've won their playoff series like for example we saw a year ago the 76ers they took care of the Nets in the first round. They went to go play Toronto, lost in seven to a, you know, great team. And they took the NBA champions that far to the buzzer of game seven. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, a team like that's so talented, but at the end of the day, if they underperform, it's going to, you're going to go to the coach immediately. I think a lot of times, even another thing is that, you know, I don't really know what's going on. We'll never know what's going on a hundred percent internally, but there's always that, you know, you know that good players can get coaches fired. You saw it with the Nets this year that Kenny Atkinson, who for years was the most well-liked guy, the, you know, one of the great, you know, players coach, the way players like to play for him, the way they played, the kind of guy he was, the media liked him, and everything of that, you know, he would fight for his players. Kenny Atkinson was one of the most seemingly well-liked coaches for a lot of different reasons. He wasn't a big name or anything. This year, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving had come in, and all of a sudden the Nets are on their way to the playoffs, and – Kenny Atkinson is loses job as head coach out of nowhere in the, in the middle of a season when the team's going to make the playoffs. So overall, there's a lot that goes on internally, those things, speaking of Brett Brown. And, you know, I think with the, with the Sixers, you look at the way that they are a good team, as I said, who haven't really won anything. So 
I think that it, it's, it's always interesting to see the way that works. But, you know, a head coach in, a, in basketball is critical in the way teams play under those types of – under certain coaches. And, you know, you look at a team like the San Antonio Spurs and playing under Greg Popovich for so many years. And the way that the Spurs kept that group of players together all those years with Tim Duncan, with Tony Parker, and um, Mono Ginobili. Mm-hmm. And they kept – and they kept that group of guys together all those years, but Popovich is their coach, and everyone seemed to like Popovich, and everyone seemed to, you know, like, and the Spurs won championships. And so you look at these teams like the Sixers, like the Clippers years ago, who were very talented, have all-stars on paper, and are a great team, but haven't been able to, to win anything. So I think, it, it, you know, the Sixers, as they continue to, you know, change things up, because, you know, once again, a lot of things are changing constantly in the NBA, even a team like the Sixers, it's good. We've seen turnover and, you know, players come and go, Jimmy Butler on him and he's gone, you know, Mm -hmm. and it happens all over the NBA. So I think that it's, you know, and I think at the end of the day, you know, they run into, they ran to a hot team, you know, in in the cell, they ran into a very good team, but I think the way they just got blanked, I think it's, I mean, yeah, this year you can also kind of question anything that happens, honestly, but overall, I think the Sixers are a, they're, I mean, I think overall they are a good team. They will be a good team for years to come, regardless of if they, do well in the postseason or not but now if they have a new coach you know and do everything and you know who, who knows overall yes yes you know I think that um as you mentioned there are certain teams that just looking at them in the in what they've been doing year to year there's not much growth and not much change and that's where at some point you've got to make a change whether it's a player or a coach and unfortunately the head coach does have a lot is a lot more under the microscope for that reason you know looking at the Sixers the year they got knocked out by the Celtics two years ago it was kind of understood they were still young and they were coming they were still on the back end of the process and um, growing in, in that sense so it was kind of like okay this makes sense this is their first year really making a run in the postseason this is for them a great experience they're going to learn from this they're going to come back better next year the next year, which was this past year, um, or last year, I should say, as they got knocked out by the Raptors with the four bounces that sent them home. If you really look at that game, if you really look at that series as a whole, the Sixers should have closed out on that series. And down the stretch, they made a number of turnovers and mistakes that, made, that kept the Raptors in the game for it to even go to four bounces. It should have gone, it, they should have been able to close out and put the game away or put the series away, but we're unable to do so. So it's like, okay, you know what? Unlucky, it happens. You can make excuses. But in Brett Brown's seventh season, the Sixers now have taken the, a turn to go the wrong direction in that they were swept in the first round, sitting at the number six seed. It's just unacceptable at this point because there's no excuse. You know, if, you, if this is the first year, it's the same thing for the, the Clippers group that you talked about with DeAndre Jordan, Blake Griffin, Chris, Chris Paul. You know, after a while, you just have to realize something has to change. This group, is, it's not working out. And when you look at the fact that we're still having the same issues from Joel Embiid, specifically around the Sixers, same issues with Joel Embiid around his not being healthy, not being in shape, uh, off-court immaturity of his diet and other issues, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid not being able to work together and play on the floor together as two all-stars, that to me is a red flag. That something needed to change. And unfortunately for Brett Brown, it was him. You know, at the end of the day, I think they need a coach that's going to hold them more accountable, that's going to kind of um, create the, the – set the tone and create the line for this is what the expectations are from the team. And as, as all-stars, role players, reserves, whatever player you are, wherever you're on this roster, this is what you're going to do day in and day out to help us be better. 
you know, they need someone that's a little more stern in that sense. Instead of, unfortunately, I get the sense that at times, especially for Embiid, being coddled, like that's the best word I can think of. So they need someone that's going to get into them and push them to be a better team. And so for them to be a team that's able to compete, when you look across the league, as you mentioned, Shane, one of the craziest things is it's only going to get harder. Like next year, the Wizards, for instance, will be bringing back John Wall and Bradley Beal, hopefully healthy, having had this group that had a great experience in the restart to, to get confidence and get going. The Nets ha- are going to have Kyrie Irving and Katie, of course, you know, this is all barring on the fact that we don't know any trades or offseason moves or injuries or anything that else that may happen. But looking on paper, what these teams may have, you know, the Pacers coming back with a healthy Victor Oladipo, TJ Warren, um, DeMontis Sabanis, on top of the, the incredible run they've had, just looking and we're only looking at the East right now. We're not even talking about the West. So you're looking at potentially having the Celtics, Raptors, Bucks, Heat, Pacers, Wizards, Sixers, Nets. That's a lot of teams that you're competing with in the Eastern Conference alone, excluding all the power and talent on the West. They need to make a change. So in terms of the Wizards specifically, I do want to get your thoughts on them. So coming up, let's get into the Wizards and what we saw from them in the bubble and key takeaways from the games and scrimmages that happened in Orlando. Let me tell you guys about the delicious treat that's going to allow you to snack healthy. That's right. You can do both. If you know me, you know I have a sweet tooth. I enjoy cupcakes, cookies, brownies, all the sweets. And Built Bar actually has delicious flavors. Let me just run down some of my favorites. Cookies and cream, double chocolate, mint brownie, salted caramel, yes, caramel, not caramel, and peanut butter brownie. Delicious. All bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew, and they're healthy. So it's great if you are on a keto diet or working to lose or maintain weight, you can do all that while snacking on a delicious treat. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. And I definitely recommend Built Bar. So if you head over to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On, you'll get $10 off your next order. Now you can save money, eat healthy, and eat delicious. Doesn't get any better than that. So go ahead on over to BuiltBar.com to try the best tasting protein bars. And I can guarantee you from me to you, you will not regret it. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Shane Connick, host of The Shane Show, social media manager and writer for Wizards Extra, and journalist from the University of Maryland here on Locked on Wizards as we're breaking down what's going on around the Wizards. Looking at this team moving forward, they've got to work to be better next year, obviously. But what do you think it will take for them, Shane, to really get to that point? What changes do you think can be made and areas they should be keying in on to fix to be better for next year? You know, we had a chance to see the Wizards this past restart 
where they had a young group of players led by Rui Hachimura, Troy Brown Jr., Thomas Bryant. Um, Jerome Robinson was a great player coming in after being traded to the team in February from the Clippers. You know, it's a group of players that we didn't really know much about. We didn't really know how they'd step into this restart. Having had a chance to watch the Wizards, and now that we're it's done, the season's over, and we can look back, you know, what, what are your thoughts, Shane, on this group specifically? And then we'll get into their what needs to change for them moving forward. So I think we saw a lot of talent from them, actually. I think it wasn't unbelievable talent, and it was a lot of just, you know, NBA players doing all right, like Thomas Bryant was. Thomas Bryant, though, is the type of player, I think, on any other team, he could be, you know, a role player type guy, off the bench, get some minutes, get some points, get some rebounds kind of guy. But unfortunately, on this Wizards team, Thomas Bryant um, and Troy Brown Jr. were like the guys. It was their whole team. However, you know, you can always, you can also know that there's light at the end of the tunnel for them because you know that you have all-stars like John Wall and Bradley Beal, even Davis Bertans coming back in the future, top players who they were missing in the restart. But the problem is, though, the fact that you can go from being a team that's doing well, has these big names on it, to being a team that's going one and seven, losing, you know, losing, all their first, losing its first seven games in the bubble, Mm-hmm. I think that that could be a little troubling. You know, another thing is that players like Isak Bonga and Jerry and Grant, players who were in the game a lot up for Washington, they saw a lot of court time. Bonga averaged five points per game in the whole 1920 season. Grant averaged four and a half points per game. I think that when you look overall at the Washington Wizards and you look at the players who they had in the restart, they did have some talent. You know, Bryant would play well. Hachimura would play well. They had their guys, but the problem was that overall, those guys couldn't compete with players who were a level ahead of them, and then everyone else was not even at that level. So overall, I think, you know, I don't think Scott Brooks really did anything poorly with, you know, coaching or anything. Another thing is that the team, if you notice, they took a lot of three-pointers, just like virtually every team does in the NBA now. And in basketball in general, there are a lot of three-pointers all over the place, but Washington especially, and a lot of times they just, and I think Scott Brooks talked about after one of the games, they just weren't falling for them, and they continued and continued to take them. There were some times the Wizards would have horrible stats from behind the arc, and I think at a certain point, you're going to take that many shots, you're going to have to make a more significant portion of them. You know, and like I said about the light at the end of the tunnel, you know, they were missing Davis Bertans. Bertans had the best three-point shooting percentage on the Wizards team in the 1920 season. So I think that overall, when you look at the Wizards in the bubble, it's a poor reflection of who they really are. But I think that overall, you know, it's almost like another thing about it. It's like they weren't even as exciting of a team as you might hope for. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes maybe you'll get one player or they can be not as talented of a team, but still be exciting and fun to watch in the way they play. For example, the, the Nets, I think one of the years – one of the years with Atkinson, they would get better and better every year. They were a terrible team, and then they started to get better and better. Another team, the 76ers, they were terrible, and they started to get better and better. And then B was saying, trust the process. Yeah. You know, the Sixers, yeah. there was one year, they, I think they had 20 wins, and it was a big thing because they hadn't even gotten to that mark in, in a while. And you look at the way the 76ers would, you know, and they, was, they were just becoming a more fun team to watch. I remember TJ McConnell one time, they were, the Sixers were playing the Knicks, and it was a whole trust the process, trust the process when the Sixers weren't going anywhere at all. And TJ McConnell spins around off Carmelo and, and, hits, a, and hits a buzzer. You know, they, it was on, they, Covington had it. He was driving in toward the paint. He kicked it out to McConnell. McConnell hit a buzzer beater to win the game in the garden against the, against the Knicks and who had Carmelo and all that. And it was the kind of thing that was just – 
such a, you know, it, it was fun. You know, it seemed like that's fun to watch. I feel like with this Wizards team, you had, you know, they would be losing a lot of games, but it's not like they really had any players who were interested, you know, particularly doing anything that was that unique, you know, whereas normally the Wizards have John Wall and that, you know, you, you hype that up. They have Bradley Beal, even Bertans knocking down threes. And I think the point is, I think the Wizards are a lot of steps away from really competing, but you know, we were talking about the Eastern Conference earlier. I think the Eastern Conference, you look at it, and the fact that the Wizards, with all of that said, finished ninth, mm-hmm. meaning they were the next team in to get in the playoffs, and they, I think they were 24-40 and 40 heading into the bubble when the season ended on March 13th, or temporarily ended. So I think that, you know, a team like that can be 16 games under 500, be – and still, there's 16 games out of 500, yet they're still the next team that will be getting into the playoffs and have a shot to get into the playoffs. Despite all of that, well, that's going poorly for them. But then you look at all the other teams in the Eastern Conference that are at that level or close to that level, and that's why, you know, it creates these, these races like we saw with Orlando and Brooklyn and Washington trying to get into the playoffs this year. So overall, I think that the Wizards, when you look at their season this year and how they were in the bubble, I think – I think you could just think, you know, it was cool that they made it there because at the end of the day, like I said, there were 16 games under 500 and all that, but they were the next team that would have gotten in the East. They were in the top uh, 22 teams overall in the NBA, and they were able to go down to Orlando and give it what they had and actually, you know, at least of it, just play eight games. And so I think that you can't look at it that badly if, if you're looking at it Washington. Because, you know, like I said, a lot of things happened in the seeding games that would not have happened anywhere else. You were talking about earlier with teams like the Bucks, the Clippers, and the Lakers not really playing for much. And with, you know, then therefore teams like the Nets were able to steal wins. Teams that weren't, you know, teams like the Phoenix Suns were able to go undefeated and yet still not even make the playoffs because of Portland with its win over Brooklyn in the final game mm-hmm. of, the, of the regular season. So overall, I think that this Wizards team is one that in the future could definitely compete to an extent, but I think there's still several pieces away because, like I said, there's such a gap between players like John Wall and Bradley Beal. Then you have Thomas Bryant and Troy Brown Jr. You have young players like Rui Hachimara, who, you know, he was great at Gonzaga, and he's been a decent NBA player. And this team overall, though, but like I said, then you have players like Isak Bonga, Jerry and Grant I was talking about, who are barely scoring, and they're in the game so much. You know, yeah, not every player is going to be a scorer, but Bonga would – was, would be on the court just as much as anyone else and would just not have many points to show for it every game. So I think that the Wizards, they're, they're several pieces away, but they still are, they still, you know, they have talent and that's great and all that. But, you know, at a certain point, even in the Eastern Conference, which isn't as talented as the West, is still competitive for those spots amongst the level that it is at. Yeah, yeah. And you, First of all, I love the fact that you remember the play that TJ McConnell had the, was a part of the play, the, <laughs> the game winning play against the Knicks. I mean, it just is in itself shows how exciting it is when a team is struggling and you like see them finally have those breakout moments and those moments of hope that have you realizing, okay, maybe they are on the right path. Things are slowly coming together. Shane, let people know where they can follow you to keep up with all the work and coverage that you're doing. On my Twitter at Shane underscore Connick. That's C-O-N-N-U-C-K. And then my um, Instagram is at Shane Connick, J-O-U-R. I have, I have, a, I have a show like uh, Renee touched on in the, uh, in the open, the Shane show. So overall, you know, a lot of different aspects of uh, journalism I can be seen or heard 
um, and or even or I guess scene, written would apply to scene as well <laughs> here. Um, yeah. So once again, my Twitter Shane underscore Conic and my Instagram Shane Conic J O U R. Shane, thank you so much for joining us on Locked on Wizards. We'll have you back on the show again tomorrow for another edition. And thank you all for tuning in. Hit that subscribe button if you have not already so you can catch all the latest news, updates, stories, and recaps around the NBA, the Wizards, and sports in general right here on Locked on Wizards with me, your host, Renee Washington. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day. It's hump day. Happy Wednesday. And I'll see you right back here for another edition of Locked on Wizards. Washington out. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.